I listen to 2ARM 92.1 FM in the car or at work. Great tunes and community news. I'm Herb and welcome to Shed Talk. You're listening to 2ARM 92.1 FM, your local community radio station, adding great tunes to the fabric of Armidale and our local New England. So thanks for listening in. Uh, we've got a brand new show short called Shed Talk. This is episode three with Jonathan. So where did Shed Talk come from? I'm a member of the local motor club and monthly is a show and shine down at the Creeklands Park uh, and everybody there has a passion for motors, cars, motorbikes, or just being a member of the club. And I wanted to share that passion with others and maybe be, make the case that if you are interested and have a similar passion that you join a local club where you're with like-minded people and uh, learn, a, learn a lot about different motors. One of the things that I found once we started talking, there's a wealth of information that comes from these people that have been a member of club or have been involved in motors and motorbikes and cars and what we're doing is sharing the passion of the club. So without further ado, let's listen to episode three with Jonathan. I listen to 2ARM 92.1 FM. In the car or at work, great tunes and community news. Hello, I'm Herb and this is Shed Talk. I'm here with Jonathan on a Sunday morning. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Herb. Um, thanks for uh, for uh, talking to me about your cars and the car club. So you're a member of a car club? I am here in Armadale. How long have you been a member of the local car club? So It takes a bit of a while to get into it, about a year and a half, I think. Right. And what, uh, what attracted you to uh, be a member of the car club? Uh, well, about three years ago, I started to inherit these old cars from my wife's family. Uh, so the first one was an old Honda and then this old Toyota Ute. And somebody actually, I think it was her uncle, said, you can keep them and keep them registered if you go through a classic historic car club because it's very inexpensive to keep a historic vehicle registered. So I thought, oh, I'll look into that. And I first started with a Honda through one online, uh, and then I found a local club to join. And uh, I joined that about a year and a half ago. So what was the Honda? Tell me about that car. 87 Honda Prelude. So it was the four-wheel steering one. And uh, that was special to me, actually more so than the Honda, the Toyota I have now. Because when I was a kid, just learning to drive, so it was sort of 15, 16 in America, I only had two television stations. Shocking to anybody who's young listening to that. Two television stations. So one was the public, which was the version of the sort of uh, BBC or ABC. So it was PBS in America. And the other one was a commercial one. And on the commercial television station, all the car ads at that time seemed to be for this four-wheel steering Honda Prelude. So uh, I... Really wanted one. I wanted, I wanted that as my first car, but of course you couldn't afford that coming out. Unlike a lot of my son's friends who seem to be given cars, my parents uh, made me buy my first car. <laughs> Novel idea. Uh, anyway, so this came down to the family. It was my wife's grandfather's car, and then my wife's mother owned it, and then my wife owned it, and then nobody really wanted it for a while. It sort of sat around, and then I adopted it uh, about three years ago. Brought it up here, drove it up here from Sydney, had it for a while and just recently sold it. So that was my first historic car that I had. 
So they were the one, the Prelude with the, the, the flip-up the, lights, the flip up lights yep. in the front, which yep. I think Porsche had first, Toyota had them, Toyota Sleeker, the Honda, yep. the Mazda 323, Astina had them. Yeah. So at that time, they were all to go. And they'd actually rake, it was quite a lot they'd done on this one. That was one of the first ones that they tilted the engine uh, back at about 15 degrees to lower the height of the bonnet. And so it was this, that's why my wife had me get rid of it. She said, that's a kangaroo scoop. She said, you can't take that anywhere else, it, which it would be. It would just rake them right off the road, yeah. drop them right through your windscreen. So did you do any trips uh, or club activities with that car? Mm, I went to Woolamumbi once, and I went to Yarala a couple of times, and I think I was on to go down to Coffs before COVID hit and stuff, and, and uh, yeah. then I haven't done any trips really since then. So you, you, you mentioned about your kids, your son. So you've got some kids that uh, also take part in the club? Yeah, so my... Well, I've got four kids. My eldest, who's 16, uh, I use it as a great way for him to get his hours up on his L-plates because he'll go out there, and usually L-platers are really annoying to most motorists, but if you're in a club convoy running along, then they're all running in their old cars at sort of 80Ks, 85Ks an hour, which is perfect for an L-plater who has to max out at 90. Uh, we get in there, and there's usually quite a lot of spacing. They put a lot of spacing and just sort of truck along at 85Ks an hour, and then we go up and have morning tea or lunch with the car club and then drive back and, and he loves it and then you, you walk around and look at old cars and and as soon as they get to know you they start telling you all the stories and let you sit in them and so i, I think i've seen you at the uh bring that car to the sunday market yeah i went to that a couple of times yeah so that's another good thing and uh, you've got a younger son and daughter mm-hmm. um they go in the, the car club stuff as well no they haven't yet but <laughs> mostly uh it's because the Honda was pretty good. Uh, so now all I have left is this Toyota, which is a dime a dozen. But in about a month, I'll get a combi bus. And so that'll start taking the kids down too. And so I'll take that to the morning teas. So tell me about the Toyota, the, the history with this Toyota. What Toyota is it? So it's a, it's an 89 Toyota Land Cruiser. I should know the model. 2HZ, I think. Uh, so it's just a 4.2 liter stock, not turbocharged. And the story behind that is it's... So my wife's parents owned it from brand new. So they've got a place south of Sydney, 500, 600 acres, just south of Sydney. Uh, and they bought it to use on their farm. And it had been there, basically a permanent fixture on the farm. Very seldom left. Left to go get regoed and fuel up and every once in a while, but mostly around just there as a paddock basher. The, both girls, so my wife and, and her sister, both learned to drive on it. Uh, had a few accidents in it. Banged it into a couple of trees. I think at one point it was actually even rolled onto its side because their property is quite steep. They pulled it up with a tractor and ra- and righted it and banged out the dents in the door. And it just sort of, I so it was still running when I met my wife 12 years ago. And so we take the kids and bashing around the property in it. And I was doing some work where, we, where I live, uh, trying to get an excavator up a small, slight incline with my van, which is just rear wheel drive. And it couldn't tow it up. And the wheels kept spinning, and at that time, my father-in-law called me, and I was in the van trying to get this excavator up. Probably shouldn't have answered my phone. And so I started complaining to him about the fact that I needed a ute. I needed a four-wheel drive if I was going to start working this land anymore. And he said, well, you know, you can have the old utes just sitting in the shed. I said, oh, well, how long has it been sitting in the shed? He said, oh, a couple of years now. I said, oh, nobody's run it. It's just there, so you can have it. So my son and I, he said, it doesn't have a battery in it. The battery's dead. So my son and I went to Super Cheap Auto and got a battery, took the train down, uh, all the way down to oh, Barrel. Uh, and he picked us up there, and we went down to the farm. And the next day, we went and looked at it. It was pretty awful. 
So all the bashed insides from my wife and her sister had all pretty much rusted. Windscreen was broken. Oh, not completely. Big, Several big cracks in it. Rats and birds had been nesting in it. It smelled awful. There was a hole, hole in the floorboards. But we put the battery in, checked the oil, and it fired right up. I had gotten a permit to, to move a unregistered vehicle from Service New South Wales. We checked all the lights, checked the brakes, and uh, my son and I drove it all the way, so a couple hours south of Sydney, all the way to this little engineering place where we had lived before outside of Corindai, who said they'd have a look at it, and, uh, and drove that back, and it was, a, it was a bit of a long trip because she had a serious wobble in her at about 75, 80 k's an hour. So we stopped, we stopped several times along the way, Went camping one night, we had a couple of swags in the back. Went camping on the way up, and then got it into Karindai after a couple of days. Long days, it seemed like. And then dropped it off there, and they weren't going to fix it up because it looked so bad, but then they looked at the original kilometers, and it only had 89,000 original kilometers on it. I said, oh, well, this might be worse. You know, a bit of time. So it stayed there for 14 months, and they just found parts that just turned up, and every time they found a part it needed from an old scrap, it slapped it on, painted it up, uh... New tires, well, they took it all the way down to the frame originally and then put it back piece by piece. And now, sitting outside is what we've got left. And so I've been running it around since. Well, we'll have a look at that in a minute. Um, now, tell me about the combi. Ah, the combi. This is coming. This is coming. So this On is a slow boat from uh, the States. Well, now it's fast when it's running it. Last time I checked, it was running at 19 and a half knots, which is actually that's pretty slow for a container ship. Should be more like 22 or 23. Um, I, su I subscribe to this vessel tracker. So when they submit noon reports, during an AMBER system, which is a voluntary reporting system for weather that ships use, because I was at sea for 30 years, um, I get position updates. So it's on its way directly from Los Angeles to Sydney. It'll be here on the 14th of this month, and then who knows how long it'll sit in customs. But that's my family combi, so I learned to drive on that. So the two cars I got from my wife's family were the ones my wife learned to drive on, which is pretty neat. So then my son learned to drive on the Honda and the Toyota. And so by the next time kid that comes along, so that's my second eldest, she's 13 now, she'll learn to drive the Combi, which I learned on, and the Toyota, which my wife learned on as well. So that'll be a bit of fun. So it'll arrive, and that was purchased in 1974, brand new by my parents. Uh, and it was originally orange, roll-up. So it's a Type 2 Volkswagen Combi, not the one with the nice, cool windows around, and the split windshield in the front. It's got the solid windshield in the front. Uh, and an 1800cc air-cooled engine, so it was slightly bigger. I think most of them up to that point were 1600. Manual transmission, dual carburetor. I know this because I worked on it a little bit, but I don't know that much about it, but I worked on it a little bit with my old man. I remember you had to adjust the valves every about every six months, pretty much every oil change, and adjust the carburetors once a year, which was always troublesome for my father. <laughs> uh, so that'll arrive, and we had it serviced before it came out because we had to get rid of asbestos in the brakes and asbestos in the clutch. And then we'll drive it up from Sydney to here sometime early December, I think. And was it very expensive to bring it out from the States? Well, I haven't gotten the bill yet. Originally, it wasn't supposed to be expensive because it was quoted at about four grand total to get it on the ship and get it to through customs. So that's not including duty on it. So it was, he sort of said, oh, well, you know, probably about seven, seven and a half all up. But prices for shipping have increased quite a lot. So I have n no idea actually what it's going to cost to get it. I got it for free. So that's, a, that's an advantage of that. And the guy who's importing it isn't going to take any money for it. He says it's just prices have gone up. He's just not going to, which is quite honorable. He's just uh, he's going to do it for cost. So we'll try to keep it under ten grand, I reckon. 
<laughs> but I'm not going to do another one, at least not till all this shipping business settles down. Well, it'll be it'll be good to see that uh, vehicle when it gets uh, over here and in the on club plates down at one of the club activities. Mm, yeah, so I'm 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 looking for. Well, I drove it so two years ago, just before January. Was that what are we looking at? Twenty one. So what? COVID started in sort of February, March, didn't it? Twenty one. No, 20. 20. So January 20, we went over to the States, and I got to drive it right before, so then. And then my kids rode around in it. So, yeah, when we bring it over here, we'll drive down to the club and strap all the kids in. And it's got all the original seats. It's a completely original, uh, which is really quite wonderful. That Dad didn't change anything on it, other than I think he repainted it a different color. Now it's this sort of light blue, which was a stock color for the combis back then. But so uh, the, the outside's blue. You open up the engine compartment, it's still orange from the original color. But yeah, the kids are really looking forward to it, having to run around, and we'll start doing more club activities. I can hold my head up a bit higher having a legitimate historic vehicle. <laughs> I'm Herb, and this is Shed Talk. I'm here with Jonathan on a Sunday morning talking about his cars and anticipating the arrival of a, a new uh, vintage car or a classic car, a combi. Tell me, just finally, Jonathan, what do you think you get out of being a club member? of a classic car club? Uh, well, I think it's a really lovely way to keep cars, if you're very interested in cars, or you have one that particularly means a lot to you. It's a, it's a good way to keep them alive and well. Uh, there's lots of resources within the club as far as uh, parts, maintenance, a lot of expertise in repairing and maintaining uh, older vehicles. If you don't come into it with a lot of that knowledge, and I don't, I was never, I'm marine engineering, but never automotive particularly. My first car was a 69 Carmen Ghia Volkswagen. And I love telling my kids the story because I bought it cheap. I bought it for $450, probably worth thirty-five grand now, but didn't have a starter in it. The reason it was so cheap, so I used to have to park it on a slope, push start it every time I went. I couldn't afford to have a starter, so I saved up money. It was an, I remember that. It was quarter of the price of the car for a new starter, and it, that took me about six months to earn up. And that's probably the extent of my automotive engineering, really, to date, oil changes and that sort of thing. So if you don't have that, there's a lot of expertise and sort of helping me finding mechanics and shops that deal with these older cars. And the club's quite a lot of fun. Uh, I'm probably one of the younger members. Uh, but there's quite a lot of stories told in the few times that we've gone out. As I said, I joined right before COVID, so there hasn't been much. But the few forays that we've gone out in, there's quite a lot of stories about old cars and, and uh, talking about old cars. and That's quite enjoyable. And then some really beautiful vehicles in the club mm. uh, to look at. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing that comes through is keeping the old cars alive. Bit of history and going right. the history, bit of fellowship and some somewhere to actually take the cars. So not only keeping them maintained and on the road uh, in the classic registration process, but actually getting them then on the road, going to club activities. Right. And I'm very surprised how how many members. I think there's 180 members or so in the in the yeah, New it's England pretty good club. size. Yeah, and I think you actually made a comment. One time when I was talking to you that you were surprised how many members turned up for monthly meetings. I think it's a it's a big <laughs> it's quite a uh, quite an activity. I think it's a good night out for all of them. They go there and I'm I usually arrive just before the meetings start, but many people are there quite some time earlier, and I think it's quite a social activity. Yeah, well, you could have between thirty and sixty people there. Where oh, normal... the last one had fifty four, fifty five in it. Yeah, yeah which well, is... normal clubs, non profit, community. Uh, organizations you're lucky to get 12 10 yeah. or 12 you know to get a quorum well this club's a bit different and at first it was a bit of a I thought oh 
I'm not sure I want to do that, but they require that you participate. So in order to maintain your membership, there's a requirement. I think it's three times a year you have to participate in some, whether it's a meeting or a, just a simple drive down for morning tea qualifies mm. as a club activity. So you have to do at least three, which uh, doesn't sound like much, but it's more than the other club I was in. didn't require anything. Uh, so I think that's good. It maintains that culture of actually participating in the club and not just sitting back and taking advantage of the inexpensive registration. And the magazine comes out. It's very, very good. A lot of mm. a lot of effort goes into that magazine. Huge. A lot of good articles yep. um, in that magazine. So I think that's what really makes the club is that the participation, but also it's only, is it $40 a year or whatever for, for membership for yeah, the yeah, year? yeah. But you get your magazine, your monthly magazine, which has got a heap of information, and really you're you're spoilt for choice. The activities, are obviously, COVID's restricted a fair bit, but in normal situation, and they have been able to work around COVID limitations quite well, mm. still having meetings, still having the activities, um, and when COVID... Uh, leaves us uh, hopefully everything will go back to more normal and the and the club will be much more active like it was before i think so i think they've well they've just started what they just so the last two months i think they've had meetings uh, and they'll have one next month so that's good and they're going to do rego day which is actually November. that's yeah that's fantastic that's a very impressive operation where they do that at, down at the the trucking kelly's trucking mob shed down there that's worth it just for that just all the historic cars lined up going through mm. pumped through and then inspected lifted up and that's great I, uh, I take my kids on that every year. Yeah. Well, I'm Herb, and this is Shed Talk. We're talking to Jonathan. Now, Jonathan, we might go and have a look at this uh, vehicle. Yes, please. Yeah. I'm here with Jonathan, and we're out looking at his... Uh, 1989. 1989 Toyota... Land Cruiser Ute. Land Cruiser Ute. It's a diesel. Yep. It's on classic Rego. Yep. The rooster <laughs> in the background. Um, so I can see that it's in pretty good nick, but you had it restored. You had it. You told me just earlier you had it fully restored. Yeah, so it had to have the whole cab replaced because uh, this was actually when they rolled it, when my wife rolled it, uh, it crushed these uh, members around the windscreen and then cracked this and they never fixed it. So it rusted out and it couldn't this pass. This is at the bottom of the uh, windscreen. Windscreen. Yeah. They rusted out and they couldn't, wouldn't pass Rego as being roadworthy. So that's why they stopped driving it and stopped registering it. So, so the, the windscreen comes forward. Uh, it does. Yep. Uh, you, you have to. It was originally designed to do that. I don't. I think you can pivot it forward. I never have. Right. But all the all the panel work looks very good. Yep. So this the this is the original door. The driver's side is a replacement because that was completely crushed, and the right quarter front quarter panel was replaced. But and then this so this is all new. So the whole cab top, this here, the bonnet's the same. The left front corner panel and the left door are the same, and then the tray's the same. But we had did have to get some new stuff. So uh, in, let's have a look inside. Yeah, that's all new. That's all the same. All the seats and chairs are the same. Dash is the same uh, from the original Ute. So four wheel drive, high and low. Split seat. Sits three, you know, two regular people and one really skinny or friendly person. Yeah, right. So this was all, this is all uh, original? All original, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, so when you buy the doors, the new doors, that was new. It doesn't come with a window or any of the in stuff. It's just bare carcass. Yeah, right. So they just took it off the old door and put them in. Okay, could we start her up? Yeah, yeah. Open the bonnet first, I suppose. Let's have a look. 
So original engine, how many kilometres? Uh, original kilometres, so it's got 92,000 on it now. For a diesel, it isn't much. No, for, and this is a naturally aspirated, so they sort of run to... Oh, I think my wife's cousin's got one that's put 500,000 Ks on it. Yeah, yeah, no, diesel's a... Uh, it's a bit, it's a bit gutless. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded the turbo one. Go out Moonby Hill and you have to go down to well, third gear and sometimes second gear. So how, what size engine? 4.2 liter. Uh, yeah, so it's the air conditioner. So none of these, I didn't realize this, but even today, Land Cruisers don't come with air conditioners. You have to have, put them in as an aftermarket. So they asked me, do you want an air conditioner? We had one off a of Hilux, so that this is the same mob that was fixing it up. They had to put new injector lines in it because they were all rusted out. Uh, they had to put, they, so they put the air conditioner on. They had to put a new steering motor on it. So it's just belt, I don't know, I should actually know. Imagine it's belt driven and then hydraulic. Uh, replaced the radiator, so they put a used radiator because that was pretty rusted out. New, all uh, the snorkel was all cracked. They put a used one on, which still has a couple of cracks in it. I think, trying to think, I think that's it. So the brakes, the original master brake cylinder were fine. There's the new battery my son and I hauled down two and a half years ago. And uh, yeah, no, it's a seems to be pretty, so we had to do the underside as well. I had to do suspension. Uh, steering get dampener in the front was new. Brake work was new, new tires, new bushings, spring bushings, all had to be replaced. So pretty, pretty complete job and not just the sort of you know, regular maintenance stuff hadn't been done on it in years and years and years. Mm. Flushed out the radiator fluid, flushed out the brake system. So maybe start her up. All right. It flows over nicely. Mm. Yeah, it's been uh, pretty good. It had a couple of leaks after the first job was done. It runs very nicely, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, quite a pleasure to drive compared to that trip my son and I first took from south of Sydney in it. It's uh, almost back to driving like it was new. Well they're not cheap vehicles at the, at the best of times, uh, Land Cruiser. No, well I, I keep getting offered more and more for it every time I stop and pull over. Uh, well not every time, but quite often somebody comes up to me and says you want to sell it. And uh, I say no, but if I was, how much would you offer me? And so when I first brought it back, it was about what I had invested in picking it up. And now I got an offer from uh, my wife's carrier. Got an offer from it for twice what I, I right. put into it to pick it up. So, well, that's good to know anyway. It helps with the wife because I haven't wasted any money. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's always nice to hear. I come back and say, "Hun, you'll never guess what I got offered for the Ute." Yes, the approval by finance of the financial manager is always important. That's right. <laughs> so maybe give it a bit of a, a squirt. Okay. A bit of rest. No, it sounds very tight. So you should be happy with that. Yeah. Alright, thanks Jonathan. It's Herb and this is Shed Talk. I'm here with Jonathan on a Sunday morning just chatting about uh, the club and his cars. So tell me, Jonathan, what's your plans for the near future? Uh, concerning the club, well, I'll, uh, I'll be at the annual general meeting. I'll go to that and then rego days the end of the month and then i'll come back and bring the combi in to register uh sometime probably around the middle of december and hopefully get it on a trip around christmas new year's january however mm. whenever the next one they run is i haven't looked at the schedule for that far out uh, and take the kids on that over the holidays 
just uh, you point to the schedule. I think that's an important thing of a successful club is the calendar of events that they have. So you, it's it's well uh, prepared, well documented. You can go and see on the website um, or in the or in the uh, the magazine what's what's planned for the month. Mm. Make your plans around that. It's always well organised. And the club does a wonderful job of connecting you with the the uh, monthly mailings from other clubs, Glen Innes and Gyra and I think Coffs and Port Macquarie and mm. so all the ones you know within our region. Uh, we get their monthly publications, and I haven't yet done that, but I'm sure you could call up any one of them and say, I'm a member of the Armadale Club, and I'd like to join your trip to whatever, and you'd probably be able to do that. And I also on the magazines, you can sell, um, you, often there's vehicles for sale, Yeah, which is uh, which is a good thing. And parts, did you pick up any of those Toyota parts, Springs? Yeah, there, <laughs> was, there was a lot of parts that yeah. uh, were, uh, were on offer for free just yeah. recently. Yeah. So... Uh, I think that's just part and parcel of the club is that uh, people helping each other, other club members. Yeah. Um, and I think if you love a car, you want to know that it's going to be taken by somebody else who has the same affection for it. Uh, so I think I would be bet that most of the club members would like to sell within this club or another club, as opposed to putting it up for you know open sale on the internet. That's right. Yeah, you just go to an unknown buyer. Yeah. Particularly, yeah, if they've spent many years in it and lovingly restored it and uh, driven it around proudly they just don't want to be sent down to uh, down to somebody that's unknown mm. just in final do you think you'll get any other cars or you'll stick with your combi for a while or well it's a bit tough with my wife because we have a deal that one car in one horse in so she likes horses so i've got she's got two horses i've got two historic cars if i get another historic car that gives her justification to get another horse so it has to see how badly I want to have another car. <laughs> well, thanks, uh, Jonathan, for participating in with me on uh, Shed Talk. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Herb. I'm Herb. Thanks for listening. your church is sheds motors cars and bikes we're listening on shed talk every sunday 12 to 1 thanks for listening uh and i'll see you next sunday i listen to 2arm 92.1 fm in the car and at work for great tunes and community news pirelli more than just a belt tire pirelli's a dragon steel belt tire dragon nerves of steel